welcome to Blockchain Ireland's video podcast series titled Blockchain Leaders Insights. My name is Ori Keogh. I am the chair of Blockchain Ireland and I'm joined today by my co-host Fiona Delaney. Fiona? Hi, Larry. Thanks a million for inviting me here to be on the inaugural session. Um, my name is Fiona Delaney. I'm um, a blockchain architect, engineer and entrepreneur, and I'm the co-chair of the startups group at Blockchain Ireland. Real pleasure to be here today. Super stuff. Thank you very much, Fiona. So over the coming months, we're going to be interviewing leaders from around the globe who are helping to build, grow and shape Ireland's blockchain, crypto and Web3 ecosystem. And we're starting strong in our first episode and we're delighted to welcome a longtime supporter of Blockchain Ireland, the CEO of Enterprise Ireland, Mr. Leo Clancy. Leo, you're very welcome. Thanks, Laurie. Thanks, Fiona. Brilliant to be here. And I'm delighted and honoured to be the inaugural guest. Um, is super interested in what you're doing. Thank you for what you're doing for the community and uh, looking, really looking forward to the conversation. Oh, thank you very much, Leo. So look, let's dive in and um, get started. So first things first, I know there aren't many people out there who, who don't know who you are, um, but it'd be great to learn just a little bit about your background, who you are and how you've gotten to become the CEO of Enterprise Ireland. Well, my kids, for one, do their very best <laughs> to avoid anyone knowing who I am or spotting me online. But um, yeah, thank you for saying that. So my career has been long. I would say at this stage, I spent 17 years in the telecoms industry. So I worked as a network, uh, worked for Ericsson, the global telecoms provider, was CTO of a fiber optic communications network. And then I joined IDA where for eight years I led the tech sector. IDA Ireland, for those of you who don't know it, is the Irish state agency for foreign direct investment into Ireland. And that's where we first met, Laurie, yeah. when you worked at Deloitte and you led the new blockchain lab that they had decided to put in Ireland at the time. So my job was attracting tech to Ireland and doing my best to look after it when it was here. Two and a half years ago, I moved across to take up the role of CEO of Enterprise Ireland, which is the Irish state agency that supports Irish companies to start, grow and scale internationally. Yeah. And look, for those folks who are, I guess, listening domestically, they may have an idea of what Enterprise Ireland is and does. But there's also a bunch of folks, hopefully, are going to listen to this from around the world. So just to dig into a little bit more about what Enterprise Ireland is, what it does and how is it different from other state bodies in other countries? Yeah, so we're uh, we're an organization of 850 people where we have 39 offices outside Ireland and a number of offices across Ireland. Our sole mission is to support Irish enterprise. And we do that. We start with university based research. So we support commercial ideas coming out of research. We support uh, early stage tech centers and gateways that industry can use to engage with academic research in Ireland. So that's a relatively unique infrastructure that we offer where we can bring companies into academic settings, which isn't always easy mm -hmm. and needs someone who speaks industry and academia bridging that. Uh, we then moving on through scales, we support a lot of startup ecosystem in Ireland. So we have um, programs, stipend based programs for people who are thinking about starting businesses. Uh, we support in a soft way accelerators who are self-determined. We also fund a certain regional hub infrastructure. Uh, we're an LP, a limited partner in most of the local Irish venture capital funds. So those funds have made thousands of investments over the last 20 years. 
nine years mm. since inception. So that's uh, that's something not a lot of people know about us. Uh, we've invested 750 million to date in those funds, which has leveraged a total fund value of uh, 3.5 billion. Wow. So that's a lot of money that's gone into the startup ecosystem. We have then also invested directly in equity terms in over 1,400 Irish companies. So we hold cap table positions in 1,400 Irish startups of various scales, large and small. We're making, last year we made 161 pre-seed and seed stage investments in Irish-owned companies. And then we support companies all the way up the tree, including uh, those those startups as they grow and scale. And some of the largest companies out of Ireland, like Kerry Group and Icon, the largest clinical research organization in the world. We count all those companies right up the chain as clients, numbering about 4,000 clients in total. So we're pretty much networked through most of Irish entrepreneurship um, Mm. and we're public servants. So what we do is in order to drive economic benefit. It's not for the financial return that we get in the funds, nor the financial return we get in equity positions. A lot of our aid that we give to companies is non-dilutive grant aid. Uh, we give uh, we give that in order to see jobs and economic growth happen here in Ireland. The 39 offices around the world employ close to 200 people mm-hmm. whose job it is then to help those companies as they take their first steps out of Ireland uh, to meet partners, to understand the market, to get started in new export markets. So that's the trade end of our agency. So very wide ranging. Mm. Your second part of your question was who else does things like this? Yeah, exactly. Lots of different countries lots of countries have different components of what we do in different areas but i think there is i don't think there's anywhere that has all of what we do in one agency which i think is the uniqueness that we can see the we can see the thread all the way from academics thinking about how their research ideas might be companies or people in a local community thinking about starting a business all the way through to those quoted market-based companies that are global leaders Okay. And that was the piece that I was going to, yeah, without giving the secret sauce away, that was the piece I wanted to understand a little bit about. Okay. So it's that all encompassing piece. Um, Thank you. That sounds really interesting. And you put a lot of emphasis, I think, on the academic piece. Mm. Um, I mean, so I'm in the startup scene, so I would really lean into innovation being market driven and market led Mm. uh, and very much from innovation in the marketplace. And I think That is very reflective of probably the Web3 hustle, attitude, build it, all that kind of thing. And not an awful lot of that is coming out of academia. Bitcoin was not, well, we don't know for sure, (laughs) but it's not associated with an institution like a university and neither are many of the other protocols. So um, taking that into consideration, what is your view specifically on the tech startup scene outside of academia in mm. Ireland? And how how does Enterprise Ireland sort of position itself to face that, I would say, disruptive talent force, that sure. entrepreneurial kind of spirit? Um, and how, how do you, what's the kind of view on that? So great question. And actually, I did overemphasize the academic side. It is a large part of what the organization does as a whole. It goes further than fostering startups, obviously. But just last year, if you take the 161 companies we supported, 
I, I would say between 15 and 20 of those would have come out of academia of the 161. So most of our startups are actually market-based. Uh, we're always hoping to squeeze more out of academia. But we know, as you say, there are areas such as the areas you work in, Web3 and related technologies, uh, things like apparel and other sectors that absolutely just don't depend at all on academic research. Then there are a cohort that are deep academic med tech research or yes. deep tech AI, something like that, that will more classically come out of academia. But we're very much leading with market based. Our newest instrument to support market based startups is what we call the Pre-Seed Start Fund. So up to two years ago, we had a we had a competitive start fund instrument, which was 50K of our funding in return for 10% of equity in your company in ordinary shares. And it was a pretty straightforward offer. It had to be matched by 5K of founder funds as well. We've changed that just last year to a convertible loan note of a hundred thousand of up to a hundred thousand euros. It doesn't have to be a hundred, but can be as high as that, matched by ten k of founder funds, and that's gone really well. I mean, that's driven the numbers up from early forties to seventy uh, because it's attractive and because the equity isn't as cut and dried as early in terms of what we take, and that gets a lot of market based people in. That's very very interesting. Yeah. And just focusing on that for one second, how. How would you say that the tech side of that is is being taken up? Is it tech companies? Is that a, a, a large percentage or can you can you? Tech is the largest single okay, percentage. Great. Yeah, med tech. I, I think if you look at tech, med tech, sustainability, maybe competing more recently with med tech and a lot of the sustainability is sustainability tech. Some of it very relevant to the topics you work on, you yeah. know, so it will be things like offset technology, some really interesting things, which are very blockchain amenable. Yeah, I'm yeah. sure you'd agree. Evidencing, that kind of stuff. All that yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah. But tech is the single biggest proportion. Uh, we do require for that pre-seed start fund that you have a good go-to-market, that you have an idea about how you're going to start the team. You, you don't have to be on the team just yet, but yeah. you do have to have an MVP and ideally some proof of path to revenue. Really, really interesting. Mm. Thanks a million. Thanks, Fiona. Leo, I'm kind of following on for that. So... Given, I guess, you must see a lot of businesses across a lot of sectors. Um, what are your thoughts on what you're seeing in terms of businesses that are coming across your desk around blockchain, crypto and Web3? Some super interesting companies. First of all, global trend wise, uh, there's some amazing technologies coming and um, we're we're seeing some interesting ones. I won't go into individual companies, sure. but um, crypto is difficult for us. I have to say, hand hand on heart, mm -hmm. you know, if if we're looking at uh, crypto because regulatory framework is yet to, has yet to catch up with crypto, mm -hmm. we tend to even where we do classic financial service um, companies that we support on the innovative tech end. They tend to, we tend to even require for those companies that they achieve some kind of regulation before we allow full drawdown of our equity tranches. Okay. So crypto is even further out there, as you can imagine, because of some of those strictures. And a lot of that is because of normal investor risk-based um, views of life. Mm -hmm. But more of it is because we are a state agency, you know, and uh, the, you know, we're still exploring the edges of what we can do. So for us, crypto is that much harder because there isn't a regulatory framework. If you look at uh, blockchain more generally, uh, you look at DeFi technologies that are that are more based on real-world assets, mm -hmm. I, I think that's much easier to think about because it's essentially a technology for for working with assets that we know very well and that have mm. regulatory frameworks. It's just a different way of handling them. 
Okay, well, that's, I think, a great point, I guess, to everybody who is watching and listening, I guess, when it comes to applications and working with Enterprise Ireland is absolute focus um, on regulation if you are in the crypto space. Um, in terms of kind of other themes or that you might be seeing within the kind of blockchain space, are there specific areas? Is it, for example, is it stable coins? Is it custody or is it infrastructure security or what are you seeing? Yeah, I think the stuff I've seen so far are more around, uh, you know, just ledgers of real world assets okay. uh, using blockchain. I think they're, they're probably the most common ones that cross our desks from okay. a risk profile and tolerance point of view, even areas such as stablecoin, you know, we haven't seen too much come through in that sense. And and again, that risk profile we take, we're, we're still learning in this space, I would say. So it's early for us in terms of blockchains. And do you think that... Um there's a lot of interest in the space. Is it is it growing? Is it decreasing? Is it stabilizing? I'd say it's not huge. You know, we don't see massive amounts coming through yet. So I, I don't know if that's, uh, I'd be interested in your view about whether sure. there's a strong enough community of startups, but don't see a massive um, volume of startups coming our way. And maybe that's because of some of the factors we talked about where our risk aversion causes people to go, well, they wouldn't be interested anyway. Maybe some things get headed off at the pass, you know, but mm. not as... Uh, I think opportunities to invest aren't as abundant as I would have thought, even in the even in the the more classic real world assets on blockchain kind mm. of area. And are you seeing a big spike in AI given the the recent interest in that? I think we're seeing AI talked about in everything. Okay. Yeah, you know that's probably the best kindest way to put it. Uh, I think it's hard not to talk about AI mm. if you're a startup these days. You need something. Uh, it needs to be baked in. Even very large, slow-moving companies and organizations are being challenged now as to what their AI strategies are. So if you're a tech startup, it's almost impossible, whether whether that's tech, med tech, sustainability, it's almost impossible now not to have some level of AI story in there. Same is true of blockchain. You know, mm. lots of companies looking at AI and blockchain as future directions, even if they're not starting as pure play AI or blockchain companies. Mm. They want to show investors and they want to show a roadmap to adding those kinds of values in and hedge themselves against competitor impact. Well, hopefully as we, you know, fingers crossed and we're at the start of the next bull cycle within um, crypto and, and blockchain and Web3, hopefully that will, I guess, excite a bunch more people to, to come up with ideas, create new projects and create new startups and you'll have a, a, a whole slew of um, more companies to review. I more companies, more talent, maybe more talent, yeah. to review and those opportunities. I think it's really interesting. There's definitely no shortage, I would say, of startup, um, startup businesses, startup talent in the Irish ecosystem. We certainly see that uh, in the startups group in Blockchain mm. Ireland, super active, mm. um, both here and abroad. In fact, we've hosted more events outside of Ireland than we have inside right. And and we in the startups group have held seven events in the last eight months um, with our, our next event uh, coming up shortly. So definitely very active, definitely nationwide. Uh, I, de I do see a tendency for a trend towards that, you know, that phrase digital nomadism, yeah. where people are really, really um, uh, decoupling themselves from a single base. Yeah. Um, and most of the teams are super remote, um, uh, you know, very, very international teams. You'll have a leg in Singapore, mm. a leg somewhere in Europe, maybe someplace in Latin America or the US. Mm. And that'll all be on the same team. So um, I would definitely say from my from my small niche, I'm just wondering 
about the relevance of Enterprise Ireland opportunities for that really significant talent. And I'm just wondering, is there a way? And, and I think opportunities like this conversation, uh, I think, help to, to bridge that gap or, or share that knowledge. Um, so it, I guess my question then is companies are reluctant to come here, I think. Yeah. Housing crisis, cost of living. No shortage of talent. Just wondering, is there something else there that we can help prepare, like, you know, from the Blockchain Ireland point of view, to prepare and support that kind of network and that emerging talent pool, acknowledging that it is a kind of digital nomad experience. Yeah. Um, is that is that something that in Enterprise Ireland, the business development crew are thinking about connecting in that more open innovation way or always always open to it and we're never prescriptive about how startups land you know mm. uh, what we do we will only invest though in Irish startups you know that is uh, and that's our rule it's it's the mandate we have but actually if if digital we love to see people nomadically coming to Ireland so digital nomads from around the world we we're, we're I think we we do pretty well in terms of as a population now in Ireland, 20% are thereabouts of people that are working in Ireland today were not born in Ireland. And that's across the population as a whole. That is pretty, it's not only tech-led, you know, a lot of it is um, is in the services industry yeah, and factories and areas like that. But probably I would say proportionally within tech, it's a, it's a bigger proportion of people who weren't born here that are working in the industry because it's grown so hugely when it was at IDA, I saw growth from, I worked there from the end of 2013 until 2021 and just the explosion in growth, you know, yeah. we saw Amazon, Facebook, Google, Apple grow enormously and a huge preponderance of talent come into Ireland. So we're very international now in the talent base, which is fantastic. We're not seeing enough yet, though, to your point of startups coming to our, or people coming to Ireland and start businesses. We, we are seeing it. Um, we're seeing people leaving multinationals who had come to Ireland to work with them and start businesses, which yeah. is really positive. But I'd love to understand from your perspective, do you think there's a trick we're missing, Fiona? I'm just wondering because I know a number of startups that are based here are using using us as their headquarters. Huh. Um, may, but maybe the operational team is elsewhere, maybe Barcelona, hmm. maybe partly in Houston, partly here. I, mean, I don't want to name company names, but uh, there's... There's a lot of that and there's a lot of decoupling, I think. So a company might be started here. The team is already remote. That that governance or operational centre can hop somewhere else. Yeah. And I'm just wondering at what point does that make a difference, a material difference in the Enterprise Ireland relationship? And if there is something there about supporting the talent or supporting the very early stage, that emergence of those new ideas. Because I, so I'm quite familiar with the New Frontiers program, for example, yeah. which is almost like it supports talent more than the business. Yeah. Right. For for the people who are just listening in. Yeah. Leah, would you mind giving a, a, a recap of their New Frontiers program? Yep. Great. Thank you. For, and thanks for the mention. New Frontiers is a program that we fund, which is a stipend based startup uh, lab effectively that runs over a year in this in two phases. So it's um, it's a it's a effectively a, a stipend based accelerator and and entrepreneur education port, uh, program for mm. for people who have good business ideas to start with, you know, and you'll know from people who have been through it that you need to come in with a good idea that you're bringing to the table and then you can get a stipend to participate in this over period of time so it's very much uh, I agree with your point actually it's very much about the talent and supporting the people who want to start the business 
I would say as well for again for the listeners, unlike some other incubation programs, which are often themed like, yeah. you know, sustainability <coughs> or agri-tech or, you know, anything. Yeah. Right. These ones are very much about location. So they happen right across the country yeah. and they are um, location based, region based, probably regional. Yeah. yeah. And then they're linking in with local business networks. Um, I think the difficulty for, let's say, a tech CTO or a tech CEO is that the, uh, the business development people are business people. They're not tech people. And so whatever the requirement is to shift a tech founder into a business founder or develop those kind of skills, uh, there's some kind of disconnect there for sure. And I definitely see that in the Web3 space. Um, uh, that's just a comment. And uh, how I feel that for all business, uh, business and technology is converging and how that communication piece happens mm. uh, is it needs to accelerate and come closer anyway. So this is not just okay. an Enterprise Ireland issue or, or founder issue. This is this is the, the converged future, essentially, mm. you know, that's yeah, that's really interesting. So you so see you're saying that it, and it is I deliberately didn't use the word accelerator because it's almost more like an education program with a stipend. Incubator. Yeah. So it's a bit like that. But as you say, so your feedback would be just finding more ways to convert tech founders to business people throughout the program and probably starting with more understanding of the tech part that and, and maybe from. what it takes to lead with that yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah that's good what that's gonna how, how that's gonna and it's not gonna necessarily be irish money first yeah. because what enterprise ireland and the idea have are these phenomenal networks you know yeah um so I th there's I, th I th there's possibly some some trick we're missing there yeah. you know no we'd love to understand that because uh, like you say they're run at different centers around the country they're run typically in what used to be institutes of technology yeah, now yeah. technological universities and they're great re regional bases but we're always looking for ways to improve the offering to do different things and i'd say the colleges would be really interested as well because you often find those tus are, are very open-minded about the content so i think i think we could probably certainly do something there Great. Fantastic. Switching gears um, and something you touched on a little bit earlier, Leo, which is when it comes to blockchain, um, Web3, digital asset and, and crypto companies, and I think companies more broadly, not just those, based on your experience and, and your team's experience, what are the tips that you can give to those companies to help them get onto some of your programs? I I think like any company we deal with, um, there's a lot of the simple basics, you know, what's mm. uh, like it's um, team, product, go to market, you know, the, the usual things you'd expect, finance journey, th those are the, the simple basics. Make sure you've done those no matter what your technology and sure. it isn't just in blockchain related technologies, it's across the board. We see mm. people who haven't fully considered all of those. Um, now, different levels of program, you need different levels of consideration of those things. New Frontiers uh, is the starting point potentially for a lot of people. Mm. You need to show that you've thought about some of those things. If you're going for pre-seed start fund, you need to have an MVP, so you need to have developed your product and ideally have some customers lined up that will buy from you as opposed to might possibly buy from you in the future mm. at HPSU stage which is our seed stage funding typically of 250k of our funding matched by 
matched 100% by private investor, we would expect to see revenue or at least some certain path to revenue at that point, plus a product that's ready to sell, you know, mm. ready to sell or being sold actively and and a very strong leadership team at that point that has experience in the market. So I think all those things are true, Laurie, for also for blockchain companies. I think the regulatory piece is really important and I hate to harp on it, but just where does your product fit in its market? Mm. Where does it stand in relation to regulatory? Regulation. I mean, we've seen even things like stablecoins be to by from some of the biggest platforms of the world, frankly, be unpalatable to regulatory ecosystems and mm-hmm. and not be developed further. Not naming <laughs> companies again, yeah, yeah. but if like if that's the case for some of the largest platforms with the largest tech capability in the world, in terms of they're not seeing a, a go to market, it's even more true for a startup because unless you can convince your, yourself the buyer and the regulator that you have a license to operate, I I think that's going to be difficult. I I think being clear about the buyer readiness and particularly if you talk about real world assets on blockchain, Mm -hmm. which I I think is a huge opportunity in Ireland because I, I think we're like Irish companies, uh, I think could do a lot in that space. We love our physical assets. We've this had this property obsession, famously and <laughs> and disastrously at times over over our history as a country. But p- Irish people understand assets and custody of assets. We now have a lar- very large financial services base, even even larger in the last six seven years mm. in Dublin. So lots of people understand custody, and lots of people understand assets. And I think if I was zoning in an area that's probably safer to play in but also much more potentially drawing on the wider talent base, not just the crypto or the Web3 or the blockchain startup community, but also the financial people. That's an area I'm really interested in, actually. Mm. 100%. I have two kids in secondary school. I would totally love them to be risk analysts. <laughs> would you? Would you wish that uh, on them? <laughs> I just, I'm, so I build the infrastructure yeah. and I build these systems and and for me, the fascinating piece, piece is the business risk yeah. and diminishing that mitiga- risk mitigation and uh, working with the teams around uh, not quite automating, but creating the tool sets that make all of that much simpler, more transparent. Yeah. No. I mean, fintech is just phenomenally interesting. And you the- just have that higher bar, you know, in, in blockchain companies have that higher bar of believability, regulatability that they've got to convince not just us, but also customers of. AI is the same at present, right? You know, everyone's moved from being super excited about uh, LLMs to now wondering about hallucination and all of the other complications <laughs> of uh, LLMs. So it's it's not just blockchain. When you're on any frontier technology, yeah. I think you've got to Same prove thing. to people that this is going to be something that you can make work for the customer today and that will stay and persist as a regulated technology that they can depend on in the future. One other quick follow up on that. Um, hear a lot about Leos. If you could talk a little bit about what they are. I know obviously if that is your name. It's but myself no, they, and the <laughs> Prime Minister of the country. Uh, but you're not talking about us, right? No, I'm actually in this rare instance. <laughs> you're not. So Leos are the local enterprise offices yeah. and they are in fairness the first stop shop for Irish enterprise. Okay. So we talked about New Frontiers and Pre-Seed Start and there yeah. are programs for more innovative companies that have got their act together in terms of understanding what a company needs to look like and how they need to get started and where the steps so that that's all great. 
Local enterprise offices are offices hosted in the county councils of Ireland. So all of the local authorities in Ireland host one. So there are 31 by definition in the country. Uh, they are teams of people that work in those small communities, working with people from the first time they have a glimmer of having an idea about starting a business all the way up. So they do things like they run start your own business workshops for free for the communities they operate in at a county level or a local authority level. Uh, they help found they help people who might be thinking about starting business with understanding some of the resources they might use to start planning or thinking about how they might have a revenue stream for this business. They also support the wider community and are not that often recognized or known for it, that they do support domestically traded businesses to do mm. certain things like productivity workshops and things like that. So huge effort on the ground, but they support the first stage of company development. They have, we have 4,000 clients, they have 8,000. And they they are small companies, typically under 10 people. Got it. I think just tips for the Web3 people there with approaching your Leo, making yourself known. You can get access to business advisors, maybe, um, you know, uh, some guidance around putting together a business plan, mm. uh, maybe one or two legal queries, not not senior counsel stuff, which mm. maybe for the crypto space, yeah. your Leo is not the place to go. But um, there are resources there. And particularly if you're not based in Dublin, your yeah. Leos will be an excellent business network resource in your locality, just as a as a vector for introductions and um, bringing you to the attention of, I guess, your local reputable business support type people. 100%. We should probably swap seats, Fiona, between this and New, <laughs> and new Frontiers. You, you do an excellent job of selling you, the value. Far <laughs> too nice. Far too nice. <laughs> you Thank you. Thanks, though. You're dead right. Um, it, they are community based and and right there when someone needs help or needs to. And, and so nice. Like the people are. It's it's funny, you know, you asked what the unique thing earlier is. And I didn't fully answer your question, Laurie, either. But I think Fiona nailed it there a few minutes ago. The unique thing in Ireland is the focus that Ireland has on business. You know, I grew up in a country that had a high, high unemployment, 17, 18 percent. Mm. Personal tax rates were 65 percent. This is growing up in Ireland. My mom, when when I was in school in the 80s, had to pay those tax rates. People around us. I started college in the early 90s and my full expectation was to emigrate from this country. Mm. Yeah. So people in Ireland have a visceral and recent memory of unemployment. And lack of economic progress. We're now in a country that has an 8.8 .8 billion surplus on an over 90 billion total budget this year. And we have that because we focused on business. And actually, the secret sauce that you mentioned, mm. all the stuff we do, we share with people all around the world. So if anyone from any country in the world comes in and asks how Enterprise Ireland work or IDA works, we'll tell them. We just share everything. But actually, the secret sauce that you can't share and can't replicate almost anywhere is the commitment that various governments and and actually the citizenry of Ireland have had to business success over the years. That is something that just can't be replicated anywhere because I don't think, I think there are few enough places in the world that have had as an acute a problem and put so much effort into solving it mm. and seen the result of that, that uh, effort in terms of the outcome. Uh, you know, nearly nowhere I can say that's done that. And then a final one for me before passing over to Fiona, I think, when it comes to all these, especially emerging technologies and um, we're talking about kind of Web3 and um, industrial um, revolution 
How does everybody in Enterprise Ireland and people at the front line keep up with what's going on? So I come off the street and I've got this idea and I'm talking to somebody um, in my local Leo office. It's got to be tough for that person mm. to kind of keep yeah. up with everything. Uh, it's it's actually really simple. You listen to the entrepreneurs telling you how things are. You know, <laughs> okay. and, I, and I say entrepreneurs, you know, our 4,000 clients, we hear from companies like Icon about the cutting edge of clinical trials and research. We hear from companies like APC about uh, drug product development from companies like Soapbox Labs about the latest trends in ki kids' speech recognition in AI. Mm. Every day in my job as an MBA. You know, it's just incredible the knowledge that you take in. It does depend on you listening and it depends on you not assuming that what you knew yesterday is good enough to assess what comes in the door tomorrow. Sure. And I think if you flip your mindset that way and you really listen, uh, some of the critical questions you'd ask about business plan and market and sure. those, they, they don't change mm. over time really that much. You know, talk about SaaS-based model and on-prem and there are things that change. But actually, if you if you listen with both ears, you often learn enough to be able to make your own judgments and, and you create a, a view of the industry. But the worst thing we could do is think of ourselves as experts on technologies. Uh, we need to be listeners and supporters of business uh, and not trying to pass judgment on the technologies, but being able to use other networks. And if we do hit a really thorny one, being able to go out to someone and bring in someone who actually understands what they're talking about. We have great people on staff who are very technical, but I think you can't be listening. Got it. That's pretty amazing. <laughs> it's a very positive uh open-minded uh, way to approach it. And I definitely think we talk about that a lot in Web3 about mindset uh, and um, reading beyond the hype. I think when we, I mean, to pick a different technology and uh, AI, the, the hype cycle right now for AI yeah. is just, you know, it's absolutely mad. phenomenal. And it's so difficult to read into what the near future uh, can, can mean, not for regulation, but for society. That we are right in the midst of the, this kind of industrial transformation, this digital uh, revolution. Um, and it's so, well, it's exciting to be part of it, to be building into it. Um, I wonder, does Enterprise Ireland have a, a stance on that? Do you have a, a, like, what are you supporting in terms of social hybrid digital futures or is there a view or is it is it as simple as listen to business keep it simple um or yeah i think a bit of con context setting to that so it is a great question and we we do have people at times and not just us but others like us uh, who try to control the future but in reality, we are a country of 5 million people in Ireland. Uh, we are a state agency within a country of 5 million people who are 850 people. We, with all the resources given to us by government, which are really substantial, we can't control how society moves forward. Yeah, yeah. We, we Ireland can't and we, are, we Enterprise Ireland certainly can't. What we can do is control how Ireland reacts and how our Irish business shows up in the world. So that bit, we can inform policy piece. about what yeah, business yeah. needs and then we can ensure we do it. Uh, you know, I heard a scary stat during the week, someone who knows the contact industry well, the contact centre industry well, said that up to 80% of the jobs could be gone within 10 years in that industry. With that. And that is top of hype cycle, but it's someone actually whose view I trust and who knows the industry well. So you think about some of those stats. I thought it, it would be less. 
to be honest. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah, that's a crazy number, isn't it? And it's it's it it stops in, you in your tracks. Sorry, I thought it would be less as in years. I thought it would be oh less years. Yeah, yeah. I thought yeah. it'd be maybe five years. Remember how um, you got to remember how slow and bureaucratic business really is, <laughs> you know. And that's uh, you learned this in working in multinationals, not today, many, but in, in other yeah. locations, um, big companies and business and society, particularly with the regulatory levels that we have now across so many domains, mm. stuff moves relatively slowly. So that felt uh, the time frame felt right. Actually, the I felt it was even higher than I'd expect in terms of the contact center jobs, but. The, to the question Fiona asked, there's no point in us trying to take a view on how we stop or change that yeah. future. Mm. The only view we can take is about how Irish companies will compete in that future. Yeah. And you lean into the fact that that may well be where we land and then you go, well, what can we do to support the companies who will continue to succeed, to support our people of Ireland as they want to continue to flourish and feed their families and have economic success in that 10-year future? And you try and adapt and make sure that we're on the cutting edge as far as we can be of the industries that will continue to flourish. So that's the job for us, not to, not to try and shape that future, yeah. but apart from the narrow piece which we can shape, which is helping Irish companies succeed. I thought, and I I totally agree with you. Yeah. I, you know, you can't hold back the tide. And no. personally, I wouldn't want to anyway. No. Uh, I think it's kind of interesting when we look at the European approach, like the wider European context mm. and that this idea of digital sovereignty, digital autonomy. I think there are aspects there that become really important for not so much the nation state, but for an island state. Yeah. When we're talking about things like energy resourcing, um, diversification of uh, well, supply chains, let's say, that kind of thing, and making us adaptable in or or business-wise, society-wise, adaptable for the future. I think entrepreneurship has a role to play in that. I think entrepreneurs are adaptive and flexible, and I think that's a key component of our business as society, you know. So I think there's something there. I don't know how you guide it or anything, you know, just... I think you, you know, you take a positive view, so you won't create digital autonomy by or any other kind of autonomy by blocking others. Sure. You create it by taking a positive stance on what you want to create for yourself and locally. Yeah. And that's true. We have a wind energy resource that's the envy of the world, potentially another blockchain amenable uh, yeah, industry yeah, that yeah. could be super interesting going okay. forward in terms of um, the assets that, that comprise it. We have a, a, a potentially 70 or 80 gigawatt wind asset off the west coast of Ireland and we only consume, and even in the medium term future, without any Bitcoin proof of uh, proof of work activity in Ireland, we will still only consume between six and eight gigawatts of that wind. So yeah. we've got to find out a way to make that wind available to industry in Ireland and to promote industries that are energy intensive on the island, because that's one part of the solution, but also to make that wind available to the rest of Europe, because because it's the right thing to do and mm. because we will need more energy we have an abundance of it europe will need more europe's gas supply in central europe has been decimated and actually accelerating that future is a better response than trying to stop other people competing in our market you know i, I always think these zero-sum games never end well you know the best thing you can do yeah. is grow leaders and one thing we're going to be doing in the next year is figuring out how we take more and more Irish companies and help them if they have the ambition and the go-to-market and the product that can be the next Facebook, Google, Apple, 
how we support those companies, incubate them, bring more money in, but also more advice, more capability, more global reach and grow the next generation of global leaders out of Ireland. And that is a much better way to approach things than worrying about how we stop others operating in our jurisdiction. Sure. Um, when it comes to, I guess, growing Irish-based businesses, um, if I could grant you one wish or gave you a magic wand to, you know, give you power to do one specific thing to accelerate that or build out that function and capability even further than what it is today, what would you do? Irish businesses? Uh, yes. How do we get them scaled uh, more top of funnel, end of funnel, anything like that? You tell me. Yeah. What would be, you Oof. know, if there's one thorny problem that, you know, you had the ability to solve right now, what would that problem be or what would the opportunity that you create? I, 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 we could be here all day. But just one yeah. would be more, more, more people choosing to work in entrepreneurial companies. Okay. And we often confuse people starting companies and being entrepreneurs with people working in entrepreneurial companies. We don't all want to be company founders, yeah. but actually, we do need more kids choosing entrepreneurial careers. So if there's one thing I regret from my college career, I don't have regrets. It's the most useless emotion I regret. But but if I do have one thing that I wish I'd maybe realized sooner, it's um, mm. when you're in your early 20s, you have the opportunity to go out and do something that carries risk. And actually doing something risky in an entrepreneurial early stage company is the least risky thing you can do because you're not in a narrow job in public service or in multinational. Mm. You're at the cutting edge of an industry. You're learning 10 different aspects of a business where you might only learn half of one if you work in a much bigger organization. Just try that out whether you want to be the founder or not that's my one wish that more kids uh, would be doing that and more older people frankly who, who can uh, who can change my career and so is that okay and i think that's a really interesting point and is that is that something that exists more in the us than in ireland or would you say mm. there, it's a it's a cultural thing it's changing here i i think it's changing a lot and um it does exist more in the us i, I believe i'd be interested in your views mm. but and the uh, uk i think as a good UK. comparison you would see a lot of that yeah i think in the uk also yeah i think it's a numbers game though i think the us the uk yeah. it is numbers and um, we definitely bit, yeah. see it here and i think web3 is an amazing um launch opportunity for something like that because mm. not everybody in web3 needs to be incredibly technical exactly. you know the, the sort of web3 vibe is a little quite a bit of hustle and certainly what we saw in our community coming out of covid very entrepreneurial people turning their interests into some kind of an online business opportunity, whether it's as influencers, community builders, uh, dabbling a bit in crypto, you know, this, that and whatever. And then coming on stream into communities like ours um, and also many diverse online communities uh, and expressing their uh, their creative will, their innovative will. Okay. And and the, what I think they're missing is that step into a business. And how to convert that, how to do the work to convert that, build the team. But they're definitely making a living and they're definitely making a career. So what we're seeing is this direct influencer to digital nomad type growth. And I'm and which is super cool. Yeah. But I think there is another piece there that, that I do think indigenous business could do with a bit of that spirit. Mm -hmm. And I think mm -hmm. that spirit could do sometimes with a bit of grounding. I think so. I, I think you're right about the gateway in, though. I have one nephew who um, 
did crypto based Wi-Fi deployments. Don't ask me what the business model was. It sounded <laughs> even having worked in telecoms for 17 years, I, I'm still trying to figure out exactly how <laughs> he got paid for this. But it was his first foray into tech, actually. Yeah, and yeah. he was he wasn't a tech guy. He had a, but his initial interest was probably to do business in college, but he pivoted towards more computer science. My other nephew is a um, tech product manager who owns some Ethereum that he bought very early on, you know, so they both got Use their start. Use it or lose it, buddy. <laughs> uh, well, we won't go there. <laughs> but uh, but interestingly, they both got their start in tech, having had a bias towards a more classical business career through crypto assets in this case. It's so experimental. It's so yeah. accessible as it long is. as you can use a wallet. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, it's it's an interesting it's an interesting ground. I have two more questions. Fiona, do you have any more? No, you go for it. Um, OK, so I guess and these are kind of quick ones, Leo. So if if people want to follow you um, or the work Enterprise Ireland does, what's the best place for them to go to or follow or um, go to our website and our social channels. We're sure. launching a new website next week. So uh, I think by the time this podcast releases, we will just have minted a brand new website Great. at Enterprise Ireland. It will replace a, a, a much longer standing one. So um, I'm really excited about that. So please go to the website. Uh, we've very focused very much. I'd be open to feedback from your community as sure. well. We've We've been super focused on changing towards a client and a buyer journey perspective because our job is to showcase Irish companies and to help them access support so I've uh, we've we've taken a view of that so the website should be really good and will be really good and then we have social channels on LinkedIn Twitter Instagram all the all the other uh, areas but uh, you'll find us at Enterprise Ireland okay and you as well on LinkedIn yeah you'll find me on LinkedIn okay yeah. Perfect. And then last question, and this is something we're going to ask all our all our listeners, especially given the conversation we had just before um, coming on air, was actually around podcasts. So what if you were kind of giving listeners out there your favorite podcast to listen into, what would they be? Conversations with Tyler by Tyler Cowan. Okay. And why so? Because I came across Tyler first, uh, interviewing in, interviewing with Patrick Collison, but being interviewed by Mark Zuckerberg, I think it was about five, six years ago. So it's still out there, I'm sure, but because nothing ever goes away on the internet. Uh, but but uh, that's probably still out there. But he is probably the best interviewer I've ever heard. The, the content is eclectic. You'll have everything from artists and foodies to techies to economists. So huge range of stuff. Uh, phenomenal interviewer, though. I think just the style you'll really enjoy. So a big thank you to everybody for listening in and also for watching um, the, the podcast with us. Certainly three key things that I took away from today's um, podcast with Leo Clancy, the CEO of Enterprise Ireland. Number one, I think it is the importance of regulation when it comes to Web3, crypto and blockchain and digital asset companies that are looking to apply for funding. It is having a clear view on the regulatory requirements associated to your business. So where possible, seeking legal advice is probably going to speed up that process. Um, so definitely keep an eye on that. Number two is the tokenization of real world assets. So whether it is indeed property or planes or, you know, whiskey casts as the case may be, there's a lot of interest in that here in Ireland, in Europe and around the world. And then thirdly, I thought the point around wind, um, it is something we have an awful lot of here in Ireland, um, but it is harnessing that. And what role can blockchain play in terms of harnessing that asset um, and then providing accessibility to millions of people, not just in Ireland, but also around Europe with that asset. Um, so a big thank you again to Leo for being our first guest.
Can I just take the opportunity before you finish, Laurie, to thank you both for the time and the opportunity. I'm honoured to be your first guest. I, I'd also, I know it's been a long road with Blockchain Ireland and I know you guys have uh, have worked very hard to create a wonderful community and you've brought in people from all sides, government, startups, multinational, uh, academia. You've brought that whole quadruple helix of success foundation in and it's a real credit to you in terms of how you've done your work. We're really excited about where you go next. Thank you very much. Thank you. If you would like to find out more about what we've discussed today, please feel free to go on to blockchainireland.ie. You can also find us on LinkedIn under Blockchain Ireland and also on X. As a sneak peek into what we're looking at in our next episode, it's going to be slightly more technical. So we hope to see you then. (laughs) 